Good morning, Woodmont, and welcome to worship. Uh, today we are continuing our morality series, uh, and I am going to be joined by a very uh, special uh, guest, somebody that many of you know well, uh, Tolu Schuyler Quinn. Uh, also, I want to say at the beginning of worship that one of the things that I love um, about Woodmont is I love the fact that we're a big tent church. I love that we have Republicans and Democrats, we have liberals and conservatives, we have Presbyterians and Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalians all brought together under this steeple, under this umbrella. Um, this week was very challenging for our country. Um, what we watched and what we've seen um, has been very difficult. And I know that there's lots of perspectives, there's lots of different views um, but I thought it would be fitting this morning if we just would start by praying for our nation and praying for our leaders as we begin. So would you join me in prayer? Loving God, we're grateful to live in this country. And yet we know that in a democracy, uh, it's not always easy. And things are not always given. And so today, Lord, we pray for hope and for healing. We pray for our leaders, and we pray that as citizens, as Christians, that we can do our best to love each other, to serve each other, to make this world better. Amen. I'd like to share two scripture readings this morning. The first is from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 9, uh, beginning with verse 1. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. And then secondly, from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, uh, verses... Uh, 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. Today we're continuing our uh, series on morality, uh, meaning, and the Ten Commandments. And today I am joined by uh, somebody who is no stranger uh, to m most of you and to this church, uh, that is Tulu Skyler Quinn. Uh, Tulu uh, grew up at Woodmont, uh, she was dedicated here. She was baptized here. Um, she is a graduate of Union Theological Seminary. Uh, she came back to Nashville. What year was it? 2009. 2009 to, uh, to work at our church, also to lead uh, what was then called Mobilos and Fishes. And uh, under her leadership and her guidance, Mobilos and Fishes became known as the Nashville Food Project. Uh, started right here at South Hall. Uh, it, it grew and grew and grew uh, into its own nonprofit, and now it is uh, 
an amazing nonprofit located in the nation's and Tulu served for many years as the executive director. Um, and so, um, Tulu, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, many of you know um, that this past year, uh, Tulu received a very uh, a difficult diagnosis, um, glioblastoma, uh, brain tumor. And so what I wanted to do uh, today was, um, was talk to her and have a conversation with her um, and um, because I think she has so much insight uh, to offer. And so um, first question is just how are you doing yeah. and how's your treatment and how are you feeling? Um, yeah, it's so great to be with you, my old friend. Um, I'm doing good. My, uh, my treatment has been sort of up and down. Uh, I feel physically, I feel really good. I've had some setbacks. Um, having brain cancer is sort of surreal for me still. I was diagnosed in July, so about six months in. Um, I've done one round of radiation and chemo and have incredible doctors at Vanderbilt. Um, and my spirits, understandably, sort of vacillate from a lot of sorrow and sadness uh, and having a terminal illness at such a young age um, with little kids at home to a lot of finding a lot of joy still in life and a lot to be grateful for and the enormous, especially the enormous support of our community and our incredible families. Um, so in general, doing really good. You look great. Thank um, you. you look, your energy looks great. Um, Lost my hair. but. <laughs> So Tolu and I have known each other for um, over 25 years. We first met in seventh grade. Um, and I, was live, I grew up in Memphis. Tolu grew up here. We met at Bethany Hills. Clay was, Clay was kind of like a baller at church camp. He was like, <laughs> you know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what that means. No surprise. But, uh, but, <laughs> but she's literally been like, um, like a, a sister since we were that age. And um, I actually have a picture of when we were at Bethany Hills that she found um, and uh, just shows you uh, back when we were really young. Um, and so um, ever since I met Tolu, um, I've been blown away by her, her talent, her intellect, her passion, her compassion, her drive. Um, and, um, and, and so uh, for a lot of us this past year has been uh, so hard, not just for Tulu and her family, but for so many of us here at this church to just to watch her. But she's been so inspiring with her uh, caring bridge posts and telling us how she's doing, um, and um, and allowing us to, to walk this this journey um, with her. And um, and so we're so grateful for that. Thank you. We're we're in this um, this morality series, and um, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Tulu is because. She's given her life and her ministry um, to serving other people, um, to serving the poor, to feeding the hungry, uh, fighting for, for justice, being compassion, uh, compassionate. Um, when she came back to Nashville, she was actually living in Nicaragua, uh, working for a week of compassion. And, um, and so um, I, I wanted to share this quote to you from Rabbi Sachs. Uh, this is the book that I recommended for uh, this series called Morality. But... Um, he defines uh, morality at the very beginning this way. He says, morality 
is a concern for the welfare of others, an active commitment to justice and compassion, a willingness to ask not just what is good for me, but what is good for all of us together. It's about us, not me. Um, it's about we, not I. Um, what is, what's driven you all these years uh, to be the person that you've been, to take care of the, the poor, the hungry, the least fortunate? Um, I know it's your faith, but, but what's inspired you to, to do the things that you've done and are still doing? I think, I think what is so compelling for me about Christianity is its focus on liberation and, and Jesus came to liberate all of us. And I think growing up in the church, and I mean, the church has been the place of my primary formation, I guess outside of my family of origin, but for my family, even growing up, church was like the place we always were. So Christianity is like the scaffolding of my life that I inherited. Um, and anyway, what's so compelling, I think, about as I grew up in the church and as I grew up in my faith, seeing how imprisoned God can be uh, through the lens of, of many people of faith, but also how liberating the message of the gospel is for whole communities. And I, I think growing up in the church also, um, you know, we come to understand ourselves as not individualistic, but actually part of a bigger body. Um, and that's, you know, people who say, oh, I'm, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Um, I mean, I, I'm not like condemning that, but to be part of a community where there's this like accountability and you practice together and you worship together. I think that that helps us remember that, you know, like Rabbi Sachs says, it's we, not I. It helps doing that, that practice of going to church for me has been so formative in helping me remember there's more than me. Um, I went to Union Seminary, which I know you know a lot about. Um, it's actually where our, our new, newly elected Senator, uh, Raphael Warnock went. I think he did his, both his MD and his PhD there. But um, there's a huge focus. Uh, I think there's a huge focus within our denomination, but uh, also where I happen to go to school, just on social justice and the least of these and really emphasizing and highlighting um, uh, my focus really in school was was on poverty and uh, the least of these and uh, the plight of the poor and God's, um, you know, uh, sort of, uh, what's the right word? Um, God's allegiance to the least of these uh, beyond all else and God's with the suffering. Um, and I am, am so moved by that. Um, it also feels like the calling of my life. And, um, and I don't know, even as a young child, I feel like my sort of inner light was guided towards those in the margins uh, at church camp, even like the person over by themselves or whatever, you know, I'm attuned, I'm attuned to that. 
I think that's just how God made me. Well, uh, one more uh, quote by uh, Rabbi Sachs, and again, um, to Woodmont folks and Nashville community folks, I'm recommending this book, Morality, by Rabbi Sachs. He just passed away in November, but it's a great book. He says this at the beginning, he says, the market will be merciless, politics will be deceiving, divisive, confrontational, and extreme. People will feel anxious, uncertain, fearful, aggressive, unstable, unrooted, and unloved. They will focus on promoting themselves instead of the one thing that will give them lasting happiness, which is making life better for others. Um, There's a lot of talk right now with COVID going on about the K recovery. And it it is proven that there is such an amazing gap between the people that have made it through this year and have continued to do well because they have money in the stock market or whatever versus the people that can't go to work or told they can't go to work. And one of the things that's always inspired me about you, of many things, is that you are able to challenge the people in our community who have means and who are well off and say, look at what you can do with your resources. Look at what you can do to make a difference. And, and you, you inspire them and say, look at what the National Food Project is doing by your generosity. Look at what the churches are doing. Um, how are you able to do that? Because that's a special gift. Thank you. <laughs> I've never really thought about it that way, but I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think to go to the scripture this treasure in clay jars, everybody has treasures. I think a lot of times culturally we look at poor people um, for all that they lack without looking at the gifts that they do have, their treasures in clay jars. And what I love about the Nashville Food Project is um, that we've built our programs for the most part on the strengths of the communities we have the privilege of working within. And it's such an easy story to tell to other people who have different treasures in in different clay jars, um, whether that's financial resources or resources of relationship um, or, you know, other access to power, whatever that may be. Um, So it's such an easy story to tell to say, look at these farmers who've come from Bhutan look at how extraordinary their talents are, look at the way that they grow food and sell it into their community to earn money when they themselves are elders and have so many barriers to getting a job, whether that's language or transportation or even just not knowing how to go about you know, finding work here in Nashville, Tennessee. That's such a different landscape culturally. Um, so to me, it's it's... I don't know. I do have to, I, in my former life before I had cancer, I had to do a lot of fundraising, but it never felt like work to me. It felt like just getting to share the story that, stories that both have joy and sadness in them. And um, I don't know. I think stories like that are always compelling, especially to people who want to do good in the world, who are wired towards a moral life. Um, there's a really beautiful uh, concept in Judaism, actually, and I, I don't know, I haven't read this book, but um, the 
the Jewish concept of tikkun olam, which means translated from Hebrew means to repair the world. And in the Jewish faith, of course, that's part of our heritage as Christians, but the everyone, whether, you know, it's not just the rabbis, but every Jewish person is called to repair the world and look for their own way to, uh, to do that work. And, you know, there are so many ways to do good in the world. You don't have to go start a nonprofit or become a minister or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be in one of these so-called serving professions. There's so many treasures and clay jars that need to be expressed and, and pulled out. Um, in fact, I know so many people, many people, their, their treasure in clay jars is helping to pull that out of others. And, um, you know, that's a gift too. So. Well, part of what Paul writes in that text in 2 Corinthians is he says, um, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Um, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Um, You received a really, really, really hard diagnosis last summer. And yet, um, I'm I'm blown away at the way that you've taken it on, the way that you've used it to inspire other people, um, the way that you've continued to check on other people with how they're doing with different things. And so, I just am curious, you know, what what do you find yourself thinking about, and, and, and how, are you, you know, how are you and your family uh, processing this, and how are, how are Robbie and Lula and Thomas, you know, how are they doing, and how are the conversations that you're having with them, because you don't really know what the, what the future holds? Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate when people ask me the questions, first of all, thank you, because I think Culturally, we kind of shy away from talking about hard things, and in particular, like terminal illness, or, you know, I, I don't know culturally if we're like amazing at doing grief. Um, and so I've, I've been trying to really stay mindful that the best thing I can do is grieve this devastating diagnosis. And that's the best thing I can do for my family is to not get stuck in my sorrow and sadness that to grieve this blow to me, to my family, to my children is a gift to them. And so I'm looking for ways to actively um, engage with the sad feelings I feel (laughs) and the um, devastation I feel. Um, And I guess we are reading a lot of books, doing a lot of therapy, uh, you know, praying a lot and um, just trying to, um, sorry, um, I think that we've got love and we've got sorrow or we've got praise and we've got great grief and the more we love, the more sorrow we will feel, um, I think, in a, in a situation like this. So I, um, I don't know, I, I'm sorry, I feel a little off track, but um, You're good. Uh, it's, it's a really hard time. And there's also been so many gifts we have heard from just an enormous, wide and deep community of love and feel so held uh, in this time of grief. 
and uh, I, it's so surreal and I can't believe it. And yet all there is to do is keep going forward. So that's where I'm at today. You, you have an amazing husband. Uh, I have an amazing Robbie, husband. Robbie Quinn, who yeah. also grew up at this church. And you have two beautiful children, um, Lula and Thomas, uh, who are just awesome kids. And so one of the questions that I, that I have for you, and this is really for all, all of us that are parents and for all the parents that are listening to this, what are the, what are the values that you, you know, b- before your diagnosis, but especially this year, that you've been trying to instill into your children? What are you wanting to teach them? How are you wanting them to live as they grow up? Yeah, we've been, Robbie and I have been talking about that a lot because once I got sick, just like the presence started coming in and the, you know, I don't know. There's just like all this stuff they got all of a sudden, which was like so beautiful. But all of a sudden they became these like entitled little, I don't know, got to watch TV all the time and people were around. And so we really kind of have had to like take a few steps back and be like, okay, what are we about as a family? And, you know, be reminded of like our core values as a family. Um, but I think more than anything, uh, we are just trying to constantly talk about how love never ends and love never dies. And um, that even if we can't be together in an embodied corporal way, um, you know that mommy's love will always be part of their lives and that I'll be loving them from wherever I am. And, that there is no end to that relationship. Um, I have been listening to a book on grief that really beautifully actually articulated that the very first grief we ever experience is the grief of leaving our mother's womb. And I know not everyone has like an amazing relationship with their mom. I, I have a an amazing relationship with, or an amazing mom, an amazing relationship with my mom. But I don't know, I've been thinking about how the very first act of love, which is birth, is actually also an act of grief. And this, in that we separate from the warmth, the warmth of our own mom's womb. So in, you know, I think my kids are gonna have a lot of support they have amazing aunts and uncles. They have amazing grandparents. They have a truly phenomenal dad. And I think none of those people are going to shy away from telling them their mom was awesome and that their mom really loved them. And I think there's some strange comfort in thinking about the grief that they've already been through, even in, in leaving the womb. And I, I want them to know that they're strong enough to face this. And, uh, but it must just be so hard to, to grow up without your mom. And I, I just go to bed and I, I pray that they will know my love and they will feel held in God's love and the love of our, our deep and wide community. So I, I pray for their healing and I, I believe in healing, and I believe that that is possible. 
Um, Tulu, you, you, um, you inspire so many people. You inspire me. You inspire um, me. Thank, thank you. you. You inspire people all over Nashville and, and beyond. And so um, I hope you know um, just how much you mean to so many people. And I hope you know um, just how many people call all the time. What can I do? What can I do? And, you know, what can I do to support her, to help her and send a card? <laughs> Don't just show up at her house. She has a lot of that already happening. Um, um, what kind of my final question today is, and I think you've started to answer it, but and this is a question that I wrestle with all the time as, as a minister and a theologian. What what matters most in life? What what are we what are we called to, to do? What is life about? What is what is our, our purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about love, which is the you know the heart of Christianity: love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. But what what is what is life about? Um, one of my favorite theologians is Howard Thurman, and he has this. Uh, in one of his books, he has this beautiful concept of, of sort of asking. I think what Howard Thurman says is, uh, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. And because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I, I guess that kind of goes back to this treasure in clay jars, which is like we all have our own innate gifts or gift primary gift that God has given us and that is that's many things but I think we all have an we all have a capacity for praise and for wonder at God's creation at um, you know even I think this innate sense of wonder and praise and that the more we can embrace that I think the more we can connect to our purpose in the world, whether that is teaching or mothering or ministering, um, that we all have that. And I think culturally, like in American culture, um, and I mean, you know, we cover that up. I don't think that we often are given a chance or an invitation to really explore what our own innate gifts and talents are. Um, The world is so broken. We're focused on other things. Um, And as I am entering into this time of grief, it's interesting, I I guess I've already said this, but this this grief and praise thing, it's like, I have so much to grieve because my life has been so full of praise. So I guess as we all do the work of figuring out who we're called to be, I don't know. I think a, a big part of that is is self-awareness and really doing the deep work of figuring out who God made us to be um, uniquely, beautifully, wonderfully made, each of us. Well, you figured that out a long time ago. <laughs> and you. you've- uh, Still learning. Uh, you've, you have and continue to serve so many people and even through this diagnosis. Thank you. You've continued to minister and to serve and to inspire. Um, and so I'm so thankful for that. Thank you. And I'm so thankful for you taking the time today to share uh, your, your thoughts and your feelings and your just heartfelt emotions. And 
Um, I just hope you feel the love and support of, um, of this community, of the Nashville community. And um, Thank I'm you. thankful for you. I'm and thankful for you. I love you. Love you too. And, um, and it, it didn't seem like it was that long ago that we were growing up at Bethany Hills. Can I say a prayer? Yeah, thank you. Loving God, I'm so thankful for Tulu, and I'm thankful for who she is. I'm thankful for her ministry. Uh, I'm thankful for the Nashville Food Project and for all the lives that it serves and the, the hungry folks that are fed because of it, because of, of her vision and her passion. Um, and I just pray that you'll be with her now, that you'll give her strength and comfort um, and healing, that you'll give Robbie and Lula and Thomas, the same thing. And we can look at Toulouse ministry in her life and the morality that she lived out and that continues, continues to live out. That will be an inspiration to all of us. In Christ's name, amen. amen.